0: tried to destroy God's word, God's book, and we will see today a little more clearly hopefully why God has preserved his book and his words to us. Let's turn to 1 Peter 1. Um, I was going to read several verses here. So let's start in uh 23. It says, "Being born again not of a corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever for all flesh is as grass and all the glory a man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. And verse 25, let's get this and get it good. The word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the Gospel is preached unto you. Let's turn to Timothy. Um, let's see here. Second Timothy. Yes. Second Timothy 3. Um, I was going to read the whole chapter, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to. Let's turn to verse 16 and 17 is what I really wanted, to, um, really wanted to focus on in this chapter here. It says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect... May be complete, completely, thoroughly, completely furnished unto all good works. You like that? This book right here. The Bible. And uh, so, this morning, let me just give you, for the sake of time, I'm just going to... um, just have to quickly go through these, these things that I have penciled down. I like to first start off from an article I found. I thought of this was just divine. It just came through the mail, some um, periodical that I get. And here it had about God's Word in this, in this article. And I thought, this is too good to pass up. So I just penciled some things down. And this little story says, um, Voltaire, I think that's how you pronounce it, Voltaire... He was, a fr- he was a famous French philosopher. And this is a little story about God's humor. And God is not going to be mocked. Okay, here we have this man. He's a, he's a man with evil intentions. He's a, he's a famous French philosopher. Once called, once called the Prince of Infidels. Reportedly said in 1776 that within 100 years the Bible would be forgotten, relic found only in museums. 58 years after Voltaire's death. His house being used by the Evangelical Society of Geneva. Now get this. Which distributed Bibles throughout all of Europe. Throughout Europe. And the printing on which he printed his revolutionary... His re- I can't even say that word now. Revolution. Re- Revolution. In other words, his rebuttal against the Bible of Christianity were printed. Were, they were using the same printing press to print the Holy Scriptures. The one that he tried to tear, tear, tear the Bible apart with. No other book is like, the, is like the Bible. It is written by 40 men from all walks of life, from kings to priests to prophets to fishermen to farmers over a period of 1,600 years. Some writers were highly educated, like Moses, Apostle Paul, <clears throat> while others had no formal um, education. More than 3,000 times, these men claimed that they wrote, what they wrote came directly from God Himself. The Bible. It is continually revelant with the whole malarge of issues that we face in our life is 2022, as same as it was written a thousand years ago. Some writers were highly educated. Um, see here, on the wrong line here. Um, <clears throat> it is continually revelant. Um, the Bible is God's word to mankind. It points sinful man to a redeeming holy God. It is a wellspring of truth. And accuracy for over thirty five hundred years. These are just some statistics, what the Bible itself is all about. Jesus affirmed and validated the truth of historical events. God's creation of Adam and Eve, Noah, and the universal flood, which people have tried to say, well, you know, it was just you know, they tried to take away. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Jonah being swallowed by a great fish. You know. Those kind of stories like, really? These things really happen? And yet, it's written in God's Word and preserved down through the ages. The Bible makes at least a thousand per- predictions in specific detail, which approximately 500 already have been fulfilled. A hundred percent. How are you going to get past that? You know, as the atheists try to, try to um, tear down, take away from God's Word, Tim them they don't believe it. 25 Old Testament Jewish writers detailed the life and the ministry of their future Messiah. The Messiah is the only person in history to have had his ancestry, his birth, his character, teaching, his career, his reception and rejection, his death, his burial and resurrection pre-written at least 500 years before his birth in detail. The Bible. Jesus Christ clearly fits all the de- descriptions and fulfilled all the prophecies that were predicted about Him. And you know, there's a prediction, there's a, there's a prophecy saying He's going to come again. And you know, that's what we as Christians are waiting for. You know, he's, he's have a, He has a proven record that these predictions about Him, all these things I just talked about, that He fulfilled in detail, and now, we're awaiting the, some of the last some of the last um, predictions that he's going to come again and reclaim his own. What a great day that will be! Okay, Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Um, let's see here. Jesus affirmed the inspiration, inerrancy, and the accuracy of God's holy word. He also confirmed and taught the authority and the rebu- rebu- re. Reability, unity, clarity, sufficiency, historically, inspiration, revelation, inerrancy of infallibility and indestructibility of the Old Testament—that people have tried to tear down, take away, and—and and, you know, men, um, many men have tried to destroy God's word. But God's Word still stands today. And it, it says that heaven and earth is going to pass away, but My Word will stand forever. You know, there's many books that have been written that are long for God. And you know, sometimes we find these old relic books and people, they just ooh and aah over these books. You know, this book's written over 150 years ago or 100 years ago. Well, who cares? You know. Men rise and fall. Kingdoms rise and fall. But God's Word says... That um, my word will stand forever. And I think it's important um, that God's word means what it says. And that, um, that we stand close to what God's word says. And we align ourselves with what God's word says. Okay, <clears throat> as Christians, God has put into us His kingdom. As Christians, God has put into us His kingdom. God wants us to be part of His kingdom. We are not to be slaves of this world, of the flesh and the devil. But as Christians, we are not also to be victims, but victors. You can be a victor by applying God's word to your life. And how many times, I just read um, an article that I got in the mail. And this um, came from the Voice of the Martyrs. And here here we have this lady. And uh, it says that she uh, was born into a Muslim family in Uganda as a young woman. woman, <clears throat> She married a Muslim man. Her faith in Islam was shaken, however, when her children became very ill. Now, you listen carefully. Although her husband called Muslim cl- um, pastors to pray over the children, pray for the children, nothing helped. Eventually, she felt compelled to take the children to a Christian church. Why? Because she knew her husband would not approve, she took them to to church in secret. Believers from church began to make secret visits to their home as well. After much prayer and fasting, the children recovered from her illness. She and her children soon placed their faith in Christ and received baptism. They continued to attend church secretly. I'm not sure how you pronounce her name. Her husband eventually found out about their Christian faith and kicked them out of their home. He cut off all support to his wife and the children. She sought refuge in her church, but her children struggled to survive. When her husband heard about their difficulties, he asked her to recant her faith and come home so he could support them. But this is what she says, and get this. But she remained firm in her decision to follow Christ. Why? Why? Because I have seen the power of God and the joy we received in Christ. I cannot go back to Islam. I have found that God heals. If He healed my children, then He will be able to feed us and clothe us. Hallelujah. Okay. We are to be reigning in this life in authority, but in, but, in, but in order to have authority, we must submit ourselves to authority. You know, it's interesting to me as I watch people, as I work with people and, you know, a lot, you know, in the, in the workplace I'm at, you know, I'm over, I'm over people and, uh, you know, that's just a lot of hard work. And you know, as I worked with some of, the, some of these people, they want to be in authority, but they don't want to be under authority. It's, a, it's important to be under authority. A lot of people want to be in authority, but they don't want to be under authority. We must be under to be over. You know, just like Christ. He was under God's authority, and now He's our authority. He is our King. God does not give, us, give His authority to rebels. Do you ever think about that? God does not give His authority to rebels. You look in the Old Testament where you see... Um, uh, King Saul for example you know how he came back and he had all, the, he had all this glory of it, these battles he won and Samuel says you know what's the bleeding of the sheep all about you know he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do and you know God took, God took the kingship away from him <clears throat> a rebellious spirit a rebellious spirit rebels against the authority of God that he has set over us when there is a king of supreme, his word is supreme. So this morning, who is our king this morning? It is King Jesus. So it makes his word supreme. You know, I, told, I tell people, you know, I really don't care what you believe. I don't care what you think. But is it, it's important to me that our line of thinking and what I think is lines up with what God says. Because at the end of the day, I am going to have to give an account. To what I know, what this book tells me and the roadmap this book tells me where I need to be in life. And it's interesting to me as I communicate with different people, they have all these different thought processes going on and and, you know, and it's in some of it it's direct in opposition with God. And so this one man, he tells you, well, that's just how you interpret. Well, there may be some of that um, at, at times, you know, depending on our view of interpretation and so forth and so on. But what about what is very clear what needs to happen? But, you know, we're going to feel a little bit, there will be nothing, I'll put it this way. There will be nothing to say when I stand before God Almighty and I have to give an account to what I know. And what what what, what um, God has shown me here, and what we what we know in Scripture, you know, sometimes we have these people who want to twist Scripture according to according to the way we want it to what we want it to say. You know, that's not being fair with God. That's not being honest with God. Okay. <clears throat> I might be asking you for a testimony, okay? You might want a lesson. Okay, so when the king is a supreme, his word is a supreme. Let's go back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, 23, or sorry, 1 Peter 1, verse 23. It says, in verse 25, it says, The word of the Lord endured forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Again, when the king is supreme, his word is supreme. What God says, that is what's going to happen. There are those that despise the Bible. Let's turn to, Pro, let's turn to Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot of good, everyday, practical instruction for us as people. Let's turn to. I think I. Wrote the wrong verse down, or maybe it's Psalm fifty. Yes, Psalm fifty, verse seventeen. It says, "Seeing that thou hatest instruction, that cast away casteth my words behind thee." You know, there's, there's the people who despise what God has to say. There's people who despise what the Christian is trying to tell them. There's people who despise, um, you know, people who hold up signs and signs that um, are posted along the road. You know, signs that point lost man, sinful mankind to a holy God. You know, there's something that, you know why they do that? Because they know that they have to give an account to that. You know, they don't want to give an account to, to, um, to God. But the fact is, everyone... That has walked this earth at some point in time are going to have to give an account to to God. <clears throat> let's uh, let's turn to Zechariah. This is another Old Testament. Zechariah. Let's see if I can find it. It's not a book that I hear very many sermons out of it, but that makes it nonetheless. It's still God still saw it to fit that it should be in His book. Zechariah seven verse 12 and it reads like this yea they made their hearts as at as an adamant stone lest they should hear the law and the words which the lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets therefore came a great wrath from the lord of hosts therefore it can't It is come to pass that as he cried and they would not hear, so they cried and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. But I will scatter them with the world winning among all the nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate after them and no man passed through nor returned, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. You know. You know, at what point in time is God, many people have turned cold hearts toward God. But you know, when things get tough, when things get, when people find themselves at the end of the trail, where do they turn to? Because they know there's a God who hears and understands. He's a God whose hand is still outstretched. <clears throat> they hate Christ. They hate the Bible. They hate churches. They don't want to be involved. And Christians, you know, the world. We should, that should not surprise us if, if, if the world hates us. The Bible talks about that. <clears throat> there are those that deny the Bible and do not accept it as the word of God. They say, it's, they say just like this uh, Voltaire he, he said it's an old relic that will be in a museum in 100 years. So that means in 1776 when he said that means in 1876. And that's been over 200 years ago that he said that. And guess what? We're here this morning preaching... Out of the Bible, we're reading our Bibles this morning. And it's not in a museum. And if it is, it needs dust. If it's in your museum, in your home, it needs dusted off and used, picked up and read. You know, uh, when when my wife and I were back at this funeral of this uh, pastor, Paul Kurtz, they had in his coffin his Bible land there. And it was laying open. And one thing that really stood out to me was it was just tattered. I mean, it was well used. It was just like, I mean, Paul, go get a new one. You know, it was all scribbled up. How can you even read the thing? I mean, he had side notes on, he had lines, and he had it all scribbled up, so to speak. And it was just dog-eared. And you could tell that this book was his closest friend and uh, a man who had a passion for the things of God, for Jesus, and seeing God move in hearts and the lives of people. And uh, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but one time his wife was telling us that he was in a hospital visiting an aged pastor who was dying of cancer. And he said, he said this, he said, you know, he said, it's not so much that my cancer is causing me a problem. He said, it's one of, my one big toe has gout in it. And he said, I can't even have the bed sheet rest. As he laid in the hospital, he said, I can't even have the bed sheet rest on it for because it hurts. It's very, very painful. And, Pat and uh, Brother Paul, he just said, well, we'll just pray and anoint it right now, this very moment. He gets his little anointing oil out and he prays and, and um, he anoints this pastor, this uh, aged pastor's big toe. And the testimony is that this... That this um, Big Toe has, it was healed. He never suffered from that again. And you know how many times by strictly obeying the Word of God, what God has put in His book for us to obey and us to do, it's amazing what God will do <clears throat> with some faith. <clears throat> There are those who twist God's word and lead others a prey. Very dangerous. There are those who twist God's word and lead others astray. That's why it's important. Young people, as there's wolves out there in sheep's clothing, you get into your word of God and you say, and you, and some, you, you come across some teaching that is not according to Scripture. You know, that's not what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. I'm going to roll with it because this is what God's Word says. You know. Stay close. Stay in the Word of God. You know, sometimes those people, as much as we hate to see this all happen, sometimes those people may help us to a deeper walk with God so we get in God's Word and we be like the brands. Find it ourselves. Dig into it. Listen to sound teaching. You know who's that man? Who 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 said um, who proclaimed that Christ was coming back in '88, and he had 88 reasons. How many how many you remember that? You know, and then years later, he came back and he said the same thing. And there, I remember I was on Beltline, and there was this big old billboard pronouncing that Christ is going to come back in October. I'm like, how stupid can you be to believe that? You just simply read God's word. Read what it says. It's it's very plain, and uh, I just remember listen to him, and I was just like, "You're crazy!" And I would just love to call in. So one day, and I think I told this story here once before. One day I was listening to him, and I don't know, I don't know why I listened to him. It just kind of agitated me, so I would just keep helping myself to more agitation. Listen to him, and i was just like. So one day I was going to call him up. What does Matthew say? What does Matthew 24 say? That in the last days, these and these things are happening. Guess what happened? The next day, somebody calls in the very verse that I was going to ask him. You know, he just turned him off and said, next question, please. It's not fair. Let's answer it. Let's get get honest. Stick with the Word of God. The Word of God is going to be your guiding light. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The Word of God will be your guiding light in dark times. And we are going to face some dark times. <clears throat> the, word, the Bible is the Word of the King. Let's listen to the King. The, Bi- the Bible is God's incontestable Word. 1 First Peter 1.23 First Peter We just read it. There is no contest or debate. It is God's Word to us. People have debated, people have tried to take down, people have tried to tear away. And, you know, there's there's these people who believe that, you know, how could the Big Bang Theory, you know, this thing, it just all came to this all thing came to being. Okay, how how does the, You know, there's there's all kinds of arguments out there. How did how's the universe? I mean, look into the night sky and it, said, and it says that all the... And you look into a clear night sky and you see thousands and thousands of stars. I like to look in the night sky. and see. And it, but the Bible says He knows them all by name. You know, He knows how many hairs you got in your head. You know, how does He know that? Because He's a God and supreme. You cannot debate Him. Let's turn to Romans 10. Let's turn to Romans 10. In Romans ten seventeen it reads like this. So then faith come by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I have those line, those, that verse underlined. Let's go to um, Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verse 17. It says, Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the helmet of the salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, and utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the Gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and thereunto I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We'll quit there. Let's go back to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 17. Or sorry, verse 12. Don't have 17 verses? It says, The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow. It is a discerner, able to judge of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God. That's the Word of God. The Bible speaks to people. It's it, It's alive. The Word of the, the the God is a God of truth. The Bible is a, is a is God's word to us. It is of truth and cannot err. First Peter one twenty one. The Bible is the incorruptible word of God. Let's turn to John 17. John 17. 17. Sanctify them thy, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God cannot lie, it is, it is not taint or blemish of any corruption. There is nothing man can do to add any corruption to God's word. It is pure. Atheists have railed against it. Agnostics have dismissed it. Liberals have tried to remove its miracles and saying it's not true. We just we just saw that again with this whole Haitian deal, with these uh, captives being set free. They're trying to say there's money underneath shoved underneath the table and yick yack, you know. And you know they just don't want to identify that God. It's a miracle from God. It's a gift to God. It's a prayer of the saints. And um, let's just admit it. Let's just get honest. That there's, a, there's, a, there's an almighty God behind this scene. And a God that's very real. And hears and, hears and answers the cries of His saints. Materialists have ignored it. Radical, radical and false calls have twisted it. Yet the Bible is the incorruptible Word of God. You cannot change it. God's Word is final. The Bible is indestructible Word of God. The Bible endures forever. Let's go to Psalm 19. There's so many verses that have to do with God's Word. I just jotted down some of them because for the lack of time, we only have a few minutes left. Let's turn to Psalm 119, verse 89. Let's see what it says here. It says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I think there's another verse that reads much like that. Let's see if I can find it here. I thought I knew which where it was. I guess not. <clears throat> but I know that verse is in there multiple times I've seen it. Let's go to Matthew 24. Into the New Testament now. Matthew 24. Verse 35. And it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So if we take that just like it says, these are the words of Christ. These are the words of our King, our Master. It says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So that tells me that you know, this is all going to go away. But what I said is going to stand forever. It's not going to change. What I said is final. I'm not going to change. It's the book of, of the ages. Over the past ages of time, men have tried to burn it. The kings of the earth have set, has set themselves against it only to find out at the end of their day they met God. What did it do for them? Yet the Bible still stands. In spite of the rampings and ravings of the naysayers, the Bible does not fade or decay. You know, we, you know, just in recent history, the communists have tried to destroy the Bible. They have tried to take it away. They have tried to, they tried to change the wording. But, you know, that does not change God's Word to us. That does not change what God says. It says that heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my Word shall not pass away. God's Word is final again. The Bible is the King's Word that provides the church message. What is the church message? It's the Gospel. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. If I can find it here. And verses one through five. And it says this, and I, brethren, I came to you, came not with exing of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Is that your heart? Is that your goal? I like that. And many times I have an agenda. Many times I want to I want to be noticed. Many times I want to, you know, it's all about self. But here it says, Apostle Paul, I think is who wrote this. He says, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The gospel is that the Christ died for us as sinners and was buried and raised again on the third day. Get this. We do not need a new message or a modern message and a modern message for a new and modern age. This book has guided men to shore down through the ages of time. You know, many many a man have drifted far from shore. Far from God. And what do they find? They go back to this book. You know, remember last time I preached, I told that story about that man who fought with the Nazis in World War II. And he'd go to his uncle's and aunt's place and that verse up on the wall, how it just spoke to him. Remember that? And he hated that verse. What it said. Why? And yet, when he stood in the firing squad, and he had five minutes, and as this Russian soldier count, down counted the time, and he was down for the, in the last minute, and he thought only for one moment of time to get right with God, that verse stood out to him to call upon God Himself. Why? Because he knew that it's the saving, because soon he's going to meet a God Almighty. The Bible has one enemy. Anyone want to tell me who that enemy is? Right here. Yes, Satan. The devil himself. And who's the hero? Who's the hero? Jesus. Jesus is the hero. Has one message. What's the message? Anyone guess the one main message from cover to cover? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Jesus saves, and it's all about His Son. <clears throat> Listen, um, let's turn to John three. We'll, get, we'll try, I think that's the right passage here. We'll see if we can get this verified. John three, verses three through seven. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, very I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see what? What's he cannot see? The kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the the second time into his mother's womb and be born and and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is born. Marvel not that I say unto thee, Ye must be born again. Now how much plainer can that get? Ye must be born again. The Bible produces Christians. This book produces Christians. You know, it's amazing to me, you take a man who is willing to be open enough to take this book and to read it and how it changes their lives amazingly. You can read many stories. Let's turn to John 20, while we're in John anyway. Let's just roll back a few more chapters. John 20, verse 31. And it says, But these things are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life might have life through His name. The Bible is alive. Let's go to Ezekiel. I know this is a lot of paging around, but I think it's good because the Bible is the only thing that's really worthwhile saying here this morning. Ezekiel um, 37. Let's see what it has to tell us. Ezekiel 37, verse 7. See if we can get it opened up here. And it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And not as I prophesied. There was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together. Bone to his bone. And we could, we could expound on all that. But you know, as I read that verse, I thought, hmm, that's very interesting. You know, isn't we, weren't we before we were Christians just a bunch of bones? We didn't have no life in us. No spiritual life. And when God comes in, there's spiritual life. And you know, there's a shaking, there's a noise, there's a direction we're going. You know, we need to pursue God. We need to see what, what's who's this God that that we're gonna that these people are talking about. You know, He's the one that answers prayer. It's not, it's not the, it's not Islam. Islam has died a thousand years ago, and He's still in the grave. You know that the, the Muhammad is not. He did not come out of the grave like Jesus Christ Himself did. He did exactly. What he said, I will rise again. And that's what makes it all about. That's why the Christian, Christian faith is, 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 is such an awesome experience. Because our king is not in the grave as all other kings are. Kingdoms rise and fall. People rise and fall. They're gone. They're dead. The next one comes along. But Jesus himself came out of that grave and now reigns on high. And I would just like to conclude with this. People's lives are radically and eternally changed by the Word of God. You think about that. People, how people's lives have been radically changed by just simply reading God's Word. Let's turn to John 6.63. And then I'm going to read you a story. <clears throat> and it says like this. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Do you have that eternal life burning within you? Do you have that life? Let's go to uh, Revelations 1.16. The last book of this Bible. Revelation 1 verse 6. And it says, He hath made, made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierce Him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. Even so. Amen. And Jesus' words of Jesus here in verse 8 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. That Almighty. And you know, we could. I like reading in Revelation. Let's read this story. Let's go back to Luke and Luke 19. You talk about a man who had a radical experience, a radical change in his life. Luke 19. And I thought about Apostle Paul when we were when we were studying in Acts, Acts this morning. I had to think about him, and I had to think about you know the Damascus Road experience, what he experienced on the Damascus Road, and the radical change that came to him as Ananias was told to go out and meet him. And you can imagine how Ananias' response was. I'd have the same response. Like, whoa, I'm not going out to this guy who was killing men. He has been given orders from the court, so to speak. He's been given orders from Washington DC to go kill these, slaughter these Christians. I'm not going out there. God says, Go. He is a vessel that is chosen for me. You know, <clears throat> you know what a radical change. And as he as he got baptized, and as Ananias spoke to him, you know. I'm sure he used, the Bible don't say exactly this, but he, 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 he showed him the things of God. He saw Jesus. And, uh, and here we see another man in Luke 19. Let's read this, the first ten verses of Luke 19. Here's a man who had a deep need. He, and, and, and he saw his need. And he saw that he was powerless to change his need until he met the master, until he met the king. Let's read. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zac- Zac- Zacchaeus, which was of the chief public among the public, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he, who he was, and could not for the press because of the crowd, because he was little of stature. He was a little short guy. And he ran before and climbed up into the second more tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him. And I think these were the most beautiful words that Zacchaeus had heard for a long time. And Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. You know, Jesus likes to be with sinners that see their need. That's why it's exciting. You know, all the rest of the people they like. Well, we're not going to communicate, We're not going to identify ourselves with that guy. We're too good. You know the way to holiness. I heard in a message this morning the way the the how was it worded. Um god's word i should have wrote it down god's word is the way to holiness jesus is the way to holiness that's how it was it's not our works it's not not what we do it's not the good things we do we 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 cannot find the way to holiness it's only through christ himself is the way to holiness now where was i Verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto, unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him full forth. Now why did he say that? Why did he say that? Jesus never told him, You know what, Zacchaeus, really? You know, you're a rich man, and you probably took a lot of, from people that dated that wasn't really yours. And he sat down and instructed him more perfectly than the way. And yiddy, yiddy, yiddy. But I think he saw... What a, what a righteous man Jesus was. And Zacchaeus on his own said, I will give half of my goods and give to the poor. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation coming to this house for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. And verse 10, and get this good. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Are you lost this morning? If you are lost this morning, if you are walking in darkness this morning, the Bible, this book, sheds light in darkness. Let's turn to Psalm 119 again. Psalm 119. And verse 105. Everybody knows this verse. This is a very familiar verse. The word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's going to shine the light where I need to go, who I am. We're we're in the darkness when we're when we're groping in darkness. This God's word will shed light in darkness. You know, when we don't know what to do, we turn to God's word. God, give me a word from you. I need I desperately need a word from you this morning. If you are in darkness today, turn to God's word. Read God's word. Allow you open your heart to God's word. And just like Zacchaeus of old, let's pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for your love for us, Lord. Thank you, God, for preserving your word down through the ages. And thank you for your spirit that has met us here in this place this morning. And God, as we recognize many, many people that are motivated by Satan and his evil intentions, have used evil men to carry out many plots against you and against your word. But Lord, this morning, we grab hold of the verse that says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will endure forever. And God, you are over all. You are King, supreme. And can we, as your children, listen to your word, And be alive with you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Glenn, for those thoughts about the Word of God. So, how has God's Word affected you this morning? How has it affected you in the past? How has it affected you this past week? What do you have to say about... The Word of God, which is truth. Does anybody have a testimony that you'd like to share? We live in an age where there's lots of alternatives. You want to spend time reading something, there's lots of things you can read. And I've you know heard listened to a podcast, they were encouraging people to read books. It's it's good to read books, and you can expand your mind, you can broaden your uh, your focus.